Are you ready for the latest Habs news, passionate debate, and in-depth analysis from hockey experts around the league? It's the most informative and interactive podcast about the Montreal Canadiens. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast, featured on allhabs.net, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection Podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen, and I'll be your host for the next hour. And uh, this is episode 43 of the Canadians Connection Podcast, the Patrice Brisebois edition. And uh, I'm pleased to be joined, as always, by the Patrice Brisebois, excuse me, to my uh, Mike Weaver, Dream Weaver, Mr. Rick Stevens. How's it going, Rick? <laughs> I'm doing great. Boy, Mike Weaver, what a guy he was. And and oh, um and and then after to to go into a career designing websites and and creating training programs, youth training programs, he he was and and social media and um what yeah. a great guy. Nice nice yeah. reference. I like that. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, on that 2014 playoff run, speaking of like you just had guys that were sacrificing their body with uh, Josh Georges and Mike Weaver just blocking shots during that playoff run. Those were some uh, high, high character guys. And uh, absolutely have to get a Mike Weaver reference in there when you can. And uh, with episode 43, there would not have been a better opportunity. Uh, so anyway, well, uh, anyways, we're, we're happy to be here uh, talking about the Montreal Canadians. And we do have some have news to talk about in the, uh, in the, in our opening segment. And as, as was the case last week with, Yoel Armia and, and Arturi Lekkinen. Mark Bergevin had us a little bit worried there for a minute, not thinking that another week was going to go by where not much gets done, but they did do something with Charles Houdon, and we're going to talk about that. And, of course, we have uh, news about Andre Markov, Keith Kincaid, who arrived in Montreal, all of those things. And, uh, of course, we have the question of the week coming up later on in the show, asking the lovely audience, who they think will be the four forward lines, what those might look like for the Montreal Canadiens. But before we get there, we're going to get to Twitter and Facebook with the question of the week, but there's other ways of reaching us. And and Rick, would you like to share those? Well, you can reach us uh, in a number of ways. As you said, social media is is one way. Going to the the website, allhabs.net, is another. Or uh, you can uh, reach us directly. You can call the studio uh, this is a live podcast, so you can reach us at 213-943-3754, 213-943-3754. If you're listening on demand, which tons of people are doing, and we're really grateful for uh, our, our increase in listenership in the off season, you can text us. We have a special Rocket Sports text line, and that is, uh, it's easy for you to remember, 5853-ROCKET, 5853-ROCKET. And uh, we're going to be getting to, we have some, um, we've been getting a lot of texts and I'm sorry we haven't got to uh, all of them um, each week, uh, but we're going to uh, get to some in our, the third segment of our show today. Yeah, we look forward to doing that. And, uh, and absolutely. So, and, and as I said, we have the, uh, the question of the week as well, which we've gotten some responses to already. So that's it. people already getting an, an armchair coaching looking at what the forward lines might be looking like next year for the Montreal Canadiens. But uh, before we get there, as I said, we do have some halves news. We have Charles Houdon, 
who uh, he and the Montreal Canadiens came to an agreement on a contract for next year, be a one-year, one-way deal, uh, and it's uh, $800,000. And uh, Houdon coming off a season where he only appeared in 32 games, put up five points, and, and that was a little bit of a disappointment following a 30-point season the year before. Um, I, I'm not quite sure that he is going to be somebody that, and, and we saw as the season came to a close, he was not able to find a spot in the lineup consistently. And I'm not sure that that changes if he is a Montreal Canadian by October. Uh, what What are your thoughts on it? I, I, I'd agree with you. And, and um, many people didn't think he'd be a Montreal uh, Canadian by July the 20th. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so some of the, some, some were caught off guard by the, the signing, as we know, last season, as you said, rough season, um, at just 32 games. And at one point, um, uh, Charles Houdon had uh, directed his agent to seek a trade. Now he was asked about that and, and he didn't deny it. He didn't confirm it. He just kind of said, well, you have to do what you have to do. Um, uh, yeah. But this is a new season. And he seems to have a, a pretty good attitude. Um, you know, he, he, he didn't have, his agent didn't have much to uh, go out and sell. Um, not much leverage. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, you know the uh, qualifying offer was seven hundred thousand. The the league minimum he he'll he'll sign for eight hundred thousand. Um, and it's it's um it, it clears up. He doesn't have to go to he the arbitration hearing. The arbitration hearing was set for August second. Um, and I guess for the Canadians he becomes a, a tradable asset. Um, and you know, depending on, on injuries and other things that may happen in training camp, he is, um, you know, somebody that can be used. Although, as we've said, it would be a real surprise to see him uh, on the uh, opening night roster I, I, in October. I don't think he's going to get there. However, he's talked about his training in the summer. Um, he knows what he has to work on. And I thought his quote was interesting um, when he said that that it, it's his intention uh, to change the way they look at me. And talking about Bergevin and Julien, uh, I have to change their impression. I have to change the way they, they look at me. And he feels, um, he said he wants power play time. He said that um, he can be uh, the kind of guy that can... Um, uh, have an effect on the Montreal Canadiens power play. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, certainly, yeah. uh, you know, we know skating's an issue. Um, we know that, that he is a, you know, a, a nifty player. He does know um, he can get to the, the open areas, the scoring areas, got good hands. Um, he was able to score in the AHL hasn't been able to translate that. And um, it's, yeah, it's, it's not being able to get that separation, um, not being able to handle uh, the, the playing against the, the bigger defenseman and, you know, his defensive game is, is, uh, yeah. leaves, leaves a lot to be desired. And, and that doesn't put you in the <laughs> books of, of Claude Julian. Yeah. And, you know, I'm I'm all for giving somebody a chance. If if he believes that and if he's going to put in the work to back that up, then I'm 
I'm willing to give him an opportunity if I'm if I'm in Claude Julian's position. But as you said, he doesn't have the foot speed really to play at five on five to the way that, you know, in a way that you have guys already like Paul Byron who can do that, who are a little bit faster, or Trey Lekkinen, whose defensive game is more polished. You are going to have to be you're going to have to separate yourself in, in a way that Charles Houdon didn't do last year. And if he does that by being a guy that they can put out on the power play, then, then that's great. But, I mean, the five-on-five five minutes aren't going to go away. You're still going to have to play those. And if he doesn't clean up some of the defensive issues, then I'm not sure that it's going to be that much of a difference from what we saw in previous years from Charles Houdon. And, I mean, last year was a minus nine year before a minus 12 and I know that the year before uh, last season two seasons ago was not a pretty year for the Montreal Canadiens a lot of guys were in minus players but you look at it and I mean even last year early last year he was playing alongside of uh, Max Domi and Jonathan Drouin you said that Houdon's defensive game leaves a lot to be desired well putting him with Jonathan Drouin and Max Domi didn't necessarily help with that and you know, unfortunately, his skill set is one that is a little bit more suited to a scoring role. So you'd have to try him with those guys, but none of them have any sort of defensive, you know, they, they don't necessarily look as though defensive responsibilities are the highest on their priority list. So I'll, I'll say that. So, you know, it was difficult to watch at points last year for Charles Houdon. So hopefully... He comes into this year, as you say, a change player trying to change the perception of Mark Bergevin, Claude Julien, and whoever it would be, whoever else he really wants to uh, to uh, change the uh, mindset of when it comes to him. Uh, so, so that puts a, yeah. that's puts the Canadians at 47 contracts. Of course, uh, they're allowed mm-hmm. 50. Um, and um, with just one player um, unsigned, and that would be um, Mike McCarron. Um, he received a qualifying offer, um, but that expired this past week uh, on Monday uh, when he, he didn't accept it by the deadline. Um, now, that, that's kind of the, the pattern. That's, that's kind of what happened last year. We remember that, uh, that he signed. Um, it was just a day or two before training camp opened. Um, yeah. He he did not opt like the others. He did not opt for arbitration, and and you know that makes sense given the kind of uh, season he had last year. Uh, he had the shoulder surgery, and and uh, you know he's he's uh, he's the kind of guy that you know doesn't think the game at at the NHL level uh, probably be bottom six in Laval, um, and you know do the the Canadians want to go forward uh, with him? Um, he doesn't have the same, I mean, Charles Houdon is one of the, the few um, Francophone players on, on the, the team. So that, that, you know, kind of weighed in his favor. McCarron doesn't have that uh, to his resume. So um, it's, it's, it's going to be um, interesting. Now saying about, talking about arbitration, now that the Canadians have, um, you know, as I said, uh, McCarron didn't opt for arbitration, so the Canadians have settled all their arbitration cases. Uh, that means that they'll be eligible to take part in um, a second buyout window. And there's a, the, the buyout period lasts 48 hours from this Monday to Wednesday. 
Um, and it's, it's uh, applies to, to uh, any player making more than 3.45 million. Uh, so if you're thinking Dale Weiss doesn't, that it doesn't fit there. His, his salary is less than that. Um, it includes Carl Alsner, um, Mm -hmm. uh, who's that 4.625, but with three years left on, on his contract, um, I don't, I don't know if that makes a lot of sense, uh, uh, for the Canadians to buy out Alsner. Um, and the only other thing I'll mention with respect to contracts uh, and, and contract windows, and, and if McCarran signs, then that's 48, uh, leaving two contracts, which um, w- remember we talked about um, uh, a while back, Scott Walford and, and the Canadians pa- chose to pass on, on, on signing him. And we said that there was someone coming up in August, and that someone is Nicholas Koberstein. Um, fifth round pick in the 2014 draft his his rights the the canadians rights to that player um and and he's a a defenseman gritty defenseman plays with a bit of an edge played in at the university of alaska played ncaa hockey um their uh, rights to him expire on august 15th with if mccarran signs at 48 con, uh, 48 contracts i don't see them uh, signing Koberstein um, and uh, expect to see him probably go to, I think he has an arrangement with uh, uh, the Calgary Flames, ECHL affiliate, the, the Kansas City Mavericks. So uh, um, expect to see him uh, turn pro, but um, uh, I expect the Canadians to let the, uh, his rights lapse. Yeah. So speaking of defensemen, uh, before we get to the newest Montreal Canadiens goaltender, it only feels right that we address the defense after talking about Charles Houdon and Mike McCarron. Uh, so we had Andre Markov's name come up in the news again. And this was a conversation that came up a couple months ago. Uh, and it's kind of continued to this point. Not entirely sure there's too much to make of it. Seems like there's interest from Markov's camp, not necessarily from the Canadians, but of course, 16 seasons in Montreal when he says he's eyeing an NHL return Montreal's that's the team that's going to come up. So uh, do you envision a future where Andre Markov could be back with the Montreal Canadiens? Uh, I, I think that, um, you know, I'm on record saying that, that Mark Bergevin made, made a mistake, a significant mistake in um, the way he handled uh, Markov's contract uh, negotiations, uh, the disrespect, um, and and he could have been very valuable um, in coming yeah. back. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, as much as I'd like to see uh, Andre Markov uh, reach that thousand game plateau as candidates did last year, I think that window's kind of passed. And um, other than... Um, you know, uh, can can Andre Markov still be a mentor? Um, most likely. Um, can um, uh, he he brings some excitement to the to early in the season to the fan base by by making that thousand game? Yes, he can. But uh, for a full uh, NHL season, I I don't see uh, him being the answer. Although the Canadians still have a pretty big hole on the left side. Uh, yeah. I, I don't see see Andre Markov as the answer and I um I I 
I, with all due respect, and as much as I love Andre Markov, I don't think it would necessarily be the right move. Yeah, I'm. I'm a little bit. I can understand that, and you know, 40 years of age, he's not quite the guy. He's not at at his athletic peak as he was when you know he was putting up big numbers on the Montreal Canadiens power play. I just I look at that power play, and we've discussed that he has literally got power play quarterbacking down to a science. He is yeah. laying in passes that no one else can like can can do on a consistent basis. I mean, you put him up against any other puck moving defenseman in the time that he played, you know, he's he's right up there with with the best of them. And you know, I it's it's tough. He's 40 years of age. That's the important part here. Laterally, he he was already kind of losing a step when it came to his mobility by the end of his time in Montreal in uh, 2017. So it's tough. It's tough. I think though, if they didn't sign Mike Riley, I would be all for this, but because they already signed Mike Riley, there's not that much of an opportunity for him to really be that puck mover power play quarterback that we've seen. I'm not sure how long it could, as you said, a long season might not be sustainable for a guy of his age, but I mean, at this point, I think the power play could use just about it could use help from just about anybody, and I'm not I'm not above <laughs> giving it to Andre Markov for, for for a couple months and seeing if he can't get something out of it. But it's yeah, as you said, 40 years of age, it, it's a little bit difficult uh, to to say that he could do this at, at the point you know at 40 years of age. It's it's not it's not likely. So uh, you might have to move on at least. Uh, at least it doesn't look as though the Montreal Canadiens are very interested. This seems to be more so from uh, Markov's side of things. So might not be too much to those, uh, to those rumors. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's, it's funny because as you said, um, almost anyone could help the power play. And yeah. just seconds ago, we were talking about Houdon feeling that he's the answer uh, yeah. to, to helping the power play. Now, um, is if you if you just think about it as as a choice, is Andre Markov going to help your power play, or is Charles Houdon going to? Well, that's an easy question to answer, uh, really yeah. uh, answer. I mean, there is no one who um, in the in the recent past for the Canadians has been able to quarterback the power play like uh, Andre Markov. There's no one who is able to uh, set up the uh, the the passes for the one timers like Andre Markov, uh, the fact that he's able to change the spin um, yeah. on the passes de- depending on what hand the, the shooter's going to be. I mean, he's he's just a remarkable player. Uh, all of that, I agree a hundred percent. And uh, I'm just so sorry that uh, that um, <laughs> that Mark Bergevin. Uh, had his ego stand in the way and that, that we missed the opportunity to have uh, uh, Andre Markov in the lineup uh, two years yeah. ago. But 572 points in 990 games, as you said. It'd be great to see him reach 1,000. Uh, might not be in a Montreal Canadiens uniform if he does reach it at all, so we'll have to see. But, uh, well, with moving from the defense to goaltending and the Canadians of course signed Keith Kincaid to a one-year $1.75 million deal on July 1st and he arrived in Montreal he met with the media he did some some videos for the uh, Habs YouTube channel and he said all the right things about coming in and easing Carey Price's workload a little bit 
He already knows Tomas Tatar's nickname, so he got off to a great start. Um, so I guess when you when you look at his numbers from two years ago, he was 26, 10, and three with a 9.13 save percentage. Last year wasn't quite where he was the year before with a 15, 18, and six record and an 8.91 save percentage. So I would imagine the Montreal Canadiens are hoping that they get a little bit more of the guy that showed up two years ago than the guy who was around last year, last year. It's um, and, and we have to remember he didn't play uh, play. He hasn't played since the trade deadline. Um, Yeah. When, when, (laughs) when traded from New Jersey, he didn't, uh, he didn't suit up uh, for Columbus, but, and and did had a, and did have a a really rough season as did uh, Antoniemi for the Canadians, but he's certainly a likable guy. Uh, I think he'll quickly be a fan favorite if he isn't already, um, as you said, said all the right things that he wants to ease Carey's workload. Uh, he wants to be a guy that the team can trust, that fans can trust. Um, he talked about, <laughs> I thought it was interesting. He, he talked about a one, a one B situation, which I don't think that really applies. It's not going to be, uh, a, <laughs> you know, a, a splitting, splitting the contests and, and, um, um, but the, the other thing he talked about is, is the pu- peculiarities of being a backup in that, that you have to, um, you go for long stretches, um, uh, without, uh, starting, you have to manage your energy, you have to, to manage your focus. Um, and he talked about, you know, obviously referencing, uh, Carrie's words when he said, uh, he won't have to be a, a babysitter to me. Um, so, um, you know, he, he still wants to learn from Kerry, wants to be a good teammate. Um, and he's, um, he knows that it's important to have a, a good relationship. Um, all of that is, is, is great. Um, you know, he, um, he's going to wear number 37, Antiniemi's number, um, and, uh, seems excited and, and ready to go. I thought the, and and as you said, the the Canadians did a bit of a uh, a PR with 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 him um, appearing on social media and whatnot. That's yeah. all great. <laughs> I think what was really interesting is was Stefan Waite's comments this past week about uh, the relationship and and um, kind of got a you know a, a a preview of of what's going on, how um, uh, Stefan Waite sees uh, the season unfolding. Uh, and he said that in an ideal world, Kincaid's going to play is going to start 25 games more or less. Um, and so he he went on to say for Kerry, um, he feels that his ideal number is somewhere between 55 and 60 starts. And of course, um, he made 66 appearances uh, last season, including you know uh, an unreal stretch at the end when, yeah. when the team was pushing for the play a uh, playoff spot, but, uh, and couldn't rely on anti Um He said that, you know, he sees, he hears fans and whether it's through social media or whatever saying, you know, Kerry's paid so much and why isn't he starting every game? Um, he said, trust me, if, it, if we left this decision up to Kerry, he would start every game. Kerry Price yeah. wants to play 82 games and is not happy <laughs> when he does. He's, he's not a good um, guy on the bench. You know, he, he wants to be in the net. 
Uh, he said, yeah. but we have to manage his workload. Uh, they, they, you know, Stefan Waite sits down with Claude Julien and they plan out a calendar and they adjust that as they go. Um, and it's their decision uh, with input, um, yeah. but, um, from their goaltenders, but, um, but it's their decision. So, uh, basically saying fans get off carry price, uh, and the other part that I thought was, um, uh, and 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 the other part was that that uh, Stefan Waite talked about um, Kincaid. He said he likes his size. Um, um, he's smart. He 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 stays in control. His movements are in control. But he said, you know, I have seen things in his game um, that I I want to adjust, and I I look forward to working with him in training camp to make those adjustments to his game. So you know, like he did with Antiniemi and, and um, making, you know, taking him off the, the, the scrap pile and, and turning him into a, <laughs> uh, briefly uh, into a, a, a backup that could be trusted. Um, and Stefan Wade also talked about the situation in Laval and, and specifically Charlie Lindgren and Michael McNiven and said, you know, these guys are still young and they need to play a lot and they can't play a lot in Montreal. So they need to be where they are. And, and I thought that was really interesting in that, that, that fed into the decision process and certainly pro- the, the decision process to acquire a veteran uh, backup. Uh, but it's, it's the goaltending is a real log jam in, in Laval and yeah. um, it's how, how they, they, they solve that and, and make sure that there's enough time for uh, a Charlie Lindgren, for Michael uh, McNiven, for Kate Primo, and certain that Lacouve is going to start in the ACHL. Joel Bouchard, you never know. He's, he's <laughs> you know, his, he seems to, to, to like Lacouve just for his spirit, uh, if nothing else. Um <laughs> But it's it's going to be interesting how that all works out, and especially without an ECHL affiliate, um, if they're going to have to put two goalies in the ECHL, where they're going to go, how they're going to be managed, um, it's it's um, it's a, a situation that's uh, we're gonna we're gonna keep tabs on as we come down to training camp. Yeah, certainly, uh, Canadians not lacking uh, not lacking goaltending depth. Uh, that's one concern that I'm, I'm, I imagine Mark Bergerman doesn't have going into next season. And uh, yeah, as you said, I think that you look at Keith Kincaid, I, I liked, I liked what he was talking about. I liked, he said all the right things. Um, if he wants this to be a one, a one B situation, I'm not entirely sure that uh, it will be, uh, <laughs> you know, it's not going to be up for debate. Who's the goal to, who's the number one goaltender, but carry put, Carey played way too many games last year. And I think that's something we can all agree on. If he's going to take 25 to 30 games, I'm not going to argue with that. And if he's going to actually look a little bit more like the goaltender of two years ago than last year and actually, you know, give Carey a break every now and then, then that's going to be nothing but good for the Montreal Canadiens. The issue would be if he shows up and, you know, I know he played with on New Jersey. That's, that was not an easy situation last year, but one thing that you've been big on is analytics for goaltending. And he was a minus 14 and plus minus contribution rating. Whereas Carey Price was up at the top of that list. He was down near the bottom. So the Canadians will need him 
to be back in at least the form that he was in in 2018. And, uh, and hopefully they get that. Um, so, yeah, I guess we're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about we've, – we've talked about Keith Kincaid potentially making an impact, replacing Antti Niemi. Well, we're going to talk about some young guys, some prospects who could make an impact with the big club coming up after a quick break. So stay with us. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas, sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rockets more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And we're back here on the Canadian Connection podcast, and we're about to discuss the idea of some prospects making a difference for a Montreal Canadiens team. Because with you know the absence, in the absence of a of a move for Mark Bergevin to add a scoring winger, or really to add you know much scoring at all, whether it be up front or on the back end, prospects are where the attention is now turned. So I mean, when you speak of cap efficiency and the way that the Montreal Canadiens are spending money relative to other teams. What does that mean for a, a guy like a, a Ryan Paling or a Nick Suzuki when you go into camp and, and could potentially win over a job? Well, it's, it's interesting because we remember uh, that uh, when the offer sheet was um, for Sebastian Ajo was, um, uh, tendered and um, uh, had uh, Mark Bergevin come out and he was asked for a, a plan B and um, said, you know, if this doesn't work out, what, what then? And he said, um, just to the end of that discussion, he said, even if it doesn't happen, we're still a very good hockey team. And, and you re- you see with, with um, 
kind of the lack of moves. There's been there's been hole filling. There's been um, yeah uh, defense uh, added. There's been um, uh, the backup goaltender Keith Cade. We just talked about uh, some hole filling done, but maybe not to the extent of of what um, some Habs fans were looking for. The big splash, and especially when we see other teams and and the New York Rangers for. For example, they locked up uh, Jacob Truba uh, this week um, with a, uh, a healthy contract. And, and, of course, they added Panarin and, and um, Adam Fox and, and um, Kako at the, at the draft. Um, so, uh, you know, what, how are the Canadians going to make an impact? And um, there was a couple of articles uh, that came out this week um, and it's uh, from a, a, a well-known a- analytics guy and, and Dom Lucician. Tom Lucician, sorry, Dom. Um, <laughs> and um, he's created a, a couple of, of projection models. Um, and the first uh, that appeared was he, he ranked every team's contract efficiency. Um, in, in layman's terms, uh, the bang for the buck. You know yeah. how how well are you using your your cap space um, uh, to put together a contender and and um, you know he went through every single contract of every team um, excluded goaltenders because his projection model doesn't uh, include that um, uh, but he and did include ELCs uh, but but um, you know all the contracts. Uh, and included uh, dead money, um, what he called dead money, um, money for buyouts, for retained salaries, those kinds of things. And we yeah. forget sometimes that the Canadians have some of that. Um, they had some retained money last year for, for Pacioretty. And, and even this year, they have the, the Steve Mason $1.4 million yeah. on the books um, in dead money. Um, so basically, the model looked at the contributions or the production uh, versus the dollars spent and then kind of did a kind of a prediction of the future value. And, and when he ran all the numbers, his model spit out that um, Carolina hurricanes uh, were on top and it wasn't even close. They make the most efficient use of the cap. Um, And they've got some, what, what um, Dom refers to as a level contracts in terms of, of um, efficiency and production. Sebastian Ajo is one. Brett Pesci is another one. Um, and you say, well, okay, well, how does an economic analysis apply to uh, produ- uh, wins and, and standings and all those kinds of things? It's really interesting that when he ran his model and, and his economic analysis, Carolina was was number one, then Vegas, then Toronto, um, St. Louis and Boston, number six, Tampa. Um, all those teams were playoff teams last year, and and number four and five met in, in the Stanley Cup final. Um, yeah. And if you look at the bottom end, you have teams like Arizona, Ottawa, Chicago, the LA Kings, Detroit. Uh, there's something to this economic analysis as far as how teams efficiently use their cap um, to maximize production. The Canadians, as you might expect, uh, middle of the field, they ended up number 14. Um, 
Dom went to the extent of, of, of calculating a cost per win that it costs the, the Carolina Hurricanes $2.7 million per win. The Canadians are almost double that, uh, mm-hmm. not using their cap very efficiently. And um, the two worst contracts uh, on the team, given their contributions, given their production, on defense, worst contract, you can probably guess this, Carl Walsner. Um, and the forward with the worst contract is Jonathan Drouin or the worst, uh, value is Jonathan Drouin given his contract, uh, and relative to his production. And that included Weiss and, and Pekka and, and all those, but, uh, Alsner and Drouin with the worst contracts, best contracts, obviously again, uh, Brandon Gallagher, who's a, yeah. a bargain, um, and on defense, Brett Kulak. Uh, for what hmm. he brings um, is uh, is pretty interesting. Um, so we've said that, you know, in, in order for the Canadians, uh, because they're tight with cap space, they're going to need to uh, either be more efficient. And since they're not more efficient, they have to then rely on their pro- uh, prospects and, and those ELCs that are not included in the model. So um, then another article came out um, and uh, Dom took his his uh, projection model and asked how much has each team improved this offseason and created a graph. And on one axis was the amount of salary. Um, has that increased since last season or decreased? On the other axis was the number of points. Is that going to uh, are they going to be further ahead in the standings or, or behind? Um, all relative to last season. For um, the Canadians um, uh, on the graph, um, it's it's close to last year. Uh, certainly with respect to salary, um, they expect that that they're going to have about the same cap space uh, remaining, and they project um, low 90s in terms of points, a few points less than the 96 the Canadians got last year. Um, if you look at that graph, and it's nice to look at visually, and we can't show you show you here, but we'll, we'll tweet it out from the Canadians Connection account. Um, the Rangers uh, obviously made the, the, and I talked about them a minute yeah. ago, obviously made the, um, the biggest, are expected to make the, the biggest improvement. Um, but just all of that very interesting um, data in terms of, on paper, what's going to happen? And, and actually, you and I both look through um, the the graph and e- each team individually. And again, things can happen. Uh, trades can happen. Um, injuries can happen. There's lots of things that can change during the season. But on paper, um, for an objective mathematical analysis, this looks like a, a pretty good starting point for where next season is going to um, how it it could unfold. I mean, it, it, you yeah. think it's fair, that's fair to say? Uh, yeah. I mean, well, you you said it. It, it. You looked at the cap efficiency. The teams that were at the top were playoff teams. The teams that were at the bottom, not exactly playoff teams. So you're looking at, yeah, it, it, it's tough to judge because I know that the Rangers went out and they made a splash with Truba and with Panarin. You don't know how guys are going to respond to that kind of monetary commitment but 
you would expect that they are going to perform as they have their entire careers. So when you look at a team like the New York Rangers, who are very much in the lead in that uh, in that graph, have gotten the most wins and certainly have added a lot of salary, then you know the Eastern Conference is looking like it's going to be really tight and really hard to get back if you're the Montreal Canadiens to where you were last year. So the expectation would be that they would drop a couple wins from where they were last year. And you talk about a team like Florida, talk about the Devils who probably just got a little bit tougher. You add Jack Hughes and uh, say what you want about PK Subban. That's a bit of, that's an improvement on the blue line. That is a difficult Eastern conference to navigate for the Montreal Canadiens. So in addition to the three teams that you're going to have to deal with in the Atlantic division that aren't going away, it's Tampa Bay, Toronto, and Boston. They're still probably going to be there. Boston might be a little bit of a – I've always had a question mark by Boston in terms of their age, but this is a difficult time. So, yes, the optimism should lie with the fact that the Canadians have guys who could potentially make an impact out of the gate. It's a lot of pressure to put on them, but I think that that's where they should have their focus at this point. Ryan Paling and maybe Nick Suzuki. And that that's supported by you know in addition to the graph there's there's notes that go along with um, um, Dom's article and with respect to have the Canadians uh, specifically improved over last year his notes say this um, Andrew Shaw a remarkable season last year uh, but doesn't blame Montreal for selling high on him um, yeah. but the rest of the changes he said are mostly a wash. Uh, Keith Kincaid isn't great, but he's a marginal improvement on Antiniemi. Ditto for Nick Cousins over Nicholas Delorier. Uh, on defense, he says, I don't think Ben Sherrod is the answer, and he's likely a downgrade with respect to Jordy Ben at a higher cost. Uh, and that takes a bit of a snipe. If the Canadians wanted a one-dimensional left-handed defender at a premium for three more seasons, they already had Carl Alsner sitting right there. Um, so, you know, outside the, outside the fan base and outside the, um, they're, 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 these are the kind of comments. And, and as I said, this is, this is run from a, an analytical perspective. So if, if the, if, if it's a wash for the Canadians, if, if, um, the moves they've made so far in, in the summer, um, haven't led to the kind of relative improvement, as you said, relative to other teams, um, it is the it is the uh, the prospects and and we saw in the development camp uh, some you know standout um, uh, uh, performances and and um, who who is going to be uh, who is has the potential um, to to step up you mentioned uh, Ryan Paling Nick Suzuki some I see on 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 Twitter are hoping for. Um, kind of yes Barry Kotkaniemi 2.0 in in terms of Cole Caulfield making um the team uh, out of training camp um how so there's lots of talk about the Canadians prospect pool um how strong is uh, is the prospect pool and as Carey Price said uh prospect pool it's great to have it but until they step on the ice and start helping the Montreal Canadiens I'm not impressed yeah I'm paraphrasing of course um, where, who do you think um, where, that has the, the, uh, the prospect that has the ability to make an impact uh, this coming season? 
Well, I'd have to start with, with Ryan Paling because he just looks like he is physically ready, and more so than Nick Suzuki. I think we've both been on record as saying that Nick Suzuki could use some time to develop in the AHL. I think that might be the best course of action for him. And I think that Ryan Paling, the last game was a, of the season was a little bit of a, you know, a, a, it showed something that Habs fans, I don't know they necessarily thought that he had, was a scoring touch. And he probably doesn't have it to that degree. You're not going to expect a hat trick and a shootout winner every time he steps out on the ice. But if he can provide a little bit of that, coupled with, Isbury cut Kaniemi growing a little bit more, putting up more than his 34 points that he just had last year, Arturi Lekkinen having a bounce back year, then you can maybe replace the points that you just gave up in Andrew Shaw. But yeah, it, it's a lot of pressure to put on some of your prospects to have to replicate those years. Uh, well, the year of Andrew Shaw with 47 points, and you definitely need a guy like Max Domi and Brendan Gallagher to replicate their, uh, their performance from last year. If you're going to be in this conversation, Ryan Paling, I think is the one guy that could potentially make up some of that. Suzuki at Suzuki at this point, I think, and you said it when you were watching the development camp looked a little bit overmatched physically. And I'm not quite sure that that's something that, you can get by without having a little bit of a physical aspect in your game at this level. So he would need to develop a little bit of that, or at least learn how to produce while that's a little bit more prevalent, at least more than it was when he was in the C8 in the OHL and the Memorial cup, there's going to be a little bit more physicality than he's been accustomed to. So Ryan Paling, I think would, would be the guy that you look at for this season and could have an immediate impact. You look at with uh, the Hockey News and, and their most recent recent watch issue, um, and Canadians, um, you know, well, they have a good prospect pool. Uh, you wonder about the number of them that are 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 ready to step in immediately. The the Hockey News lists uh, Nick Suzuki as number twenty two, as that's the Canadians' high, highest ranked prospect. Ryan Paling at number twenty eight. And um, Alexander Romanov, number 45, and, and of course we know Romanov won't make, uh, um, won't be in the lineup till at least uh, next season. He'll be in the KHL again this year. Um, yeah. One thing I, I must say that that I liked what Nick Suzuki had to say uh, this past week. Um, he said that he's he's going um, uh, to training camp with the intention of making a breakthrough. Um, he, at development camp, he, he met with the coaches, they identified aspects of his game that he needs to work on. Uh, and he intends to do that, um, in, in, in skating and, and, um, and working with a a skating coach over the summer. Uh, the other thing I thought was really interesting. He, he said in, in previous years when, um, he's been around, uh, NHL players, he's been really shy. Uh, and that that includes uh, his time with Vegas. And he said he's realized, matured, and and he talked about the uh, the Memorial Cup run and the um, the media attention and the attention specifically on him and how that was good for him. That 
that it added a bit of, of pressure and he, he respected that. But he, he said that, that um, um, he understands now he can't, he can't be shy. These guys are going to uh, be his teammates. He, he needs to, yeah. uh, he's, he's, he's going to be a pro. Um, so he needs to build relationships with these people. And I thought that was, that was pretty smart insight for a, a, a young player and, and something that, um, um, should help. And, and, you know, he realizes he got the sense, uh, in Brossard that the fans were really excited and, and really excited to see players like himself. And, and he mentioned specifically Paling and Caulfield and, uh, Caden Primo and Josh Brook. Um, he talked about how competitive the environment in Brossard was. And, um, it was, it was, uh, I, now I'm not saying that, that, that is, uh, attitude is, is going to win the day, but I like his change in attitude. Um, and I, as, as, as we spoke about before, we, we really think that, uh, he needs a, a full year in, in the AHL, um, before um, making the jump. Brian Paling, I, you know, I've said before that I was concerned about some of these, um, these signings, um, you know, and Ch- Charles Houdon is going to be one of them. Nick Cousins, another, you got wheel and Thompson and, and all of those uh, bottom six type players. Um, I, I'd, I'd like a space for, for Ryan Paling. Um, he, as yeah, he was, um, physically intimidating for the rest of the prospects at development camp. Uh, he looked like an NHL player, looked like an NHL player uh, the last game of the season for whatever that's worth um, in yeah. that kind of environment. Uh, but hope to see him um, uh, make that jump. And, and yes, could be the, the one player that makes uh, an impact. Um, Noah Juleson's also going to be, we forget he's yeah. still, you still yeah. uh, considered a prospect and, and given his just bad luck with injuries, just real bad fortune. And, and um, you know, he could uh, really help out uh, on, on defense. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I guess the, uh, the long shot, um, um, hard to say uh, whether whether uh, Jake Evans had some some injury um, concerns uh, last season and, and went through about uh, in his first professional season in Laval and and looked really good at the beginning and tailed off and um, but at development camp he did the old uh, hey. Um, yeah, there's lots of guys you're making lots of that are, are in print here, but don't forget about me kind of thing. He made a bit of a, a statement at, at development camp. Um, so he's, he's someone that uh, maybe throughout the, the, the season uh, might be lucky enough to receive a, a call up on the defensive side. Um, Josh Brook, just a couple of games last year in Laval. Um, and, and, and I know, Folks are talking about him, but uh, probably needs the rest, the the full season, uh, yeah. In uh, in Laval, to uh, he he looked a bit eager. He looked a bit too uh, uh, always wanting to get into the rush, always being very aggressive, and and he's got to learn his his uh, his gap and his timing, and um, he still has some lessons to learn. So, 
all of that's going to be uh, very interesting. I, I see uh, in the answer to our questions, we're seeing some coal call fields. Um, yeah. Uh, what uh, what's your uh, what's your thoughts about about uh, seeing him in the uh, well, Canadians lineup next year? Well, he's got his uh, you know he's committed to NCAA yeah. to Wisconsin, so that is unlikely to happen from that side of things. I think that he's somebody who would like to go play in the NCAA, and if he were to show up even to training camp. I believe he's he's going to forfeit his his right to play, uh, and so I would doubt that that's something for the Montreal Canadiens. I doubt that that's even an option, and I would doubt that there would even be interest at this point for the Montreal Canadiens to have him play in the NHL. It's just I know, and I've been on record. Listen, size is becoming less and less of an issue, but size. At 18 years old, he's five foot seven, and he's got no very little muscle at this point, very little mass. He can he can become he can build up to a point where you can have him out there. But at 18 years old, it might just not be productive to put him out on the ice at this point. And uh, you know, I think that he's somebody that and I'm I'm very high on Cole Caulfield, but not right now. <laughs> Let him, what do let we him always preach? We always more. preach patience. We always preach exactly. patience here. Yeah. And, and there's, you know, and we've talked, I think we've talked about everyone at this point. You've brought up Josh Brook. You brought up Jake Evans, Noah Juleson, even. Uh, the issue with talking about any of these guys with respect to the Montreal Canadiens is that why am I supposed to believe that these guys are going to be given an opportunity to break through. I understand you, you said, what, what, what can you possibly make of the last game of the season for Ryan Paling? I mean, it, it could be argued that there's more in that than there would be in any of the games that, that Nate Thompson played. And I mean, no disrespect to Nate Thompson, but it just, it feels like they have to do so much to just earn a little bit, of, of their keep to earn a, a bit of a stay, you know, a prolonged stay with the Montreal Canadiens. And until they've transitioned a player from the AHL to the NHL and have done so effectively, then I'm not going to believe that. Yes. Listen, their prospect pool looks really nice, but I'm not going to believe in their ability to actually make NHL players out of these guys until they've done it at least once because they haven't, they've not done it. You look at their guys, Victor Metza didn't spend any time in the AHL, so you can't really count him. You can't really count uh, Jesperi Katkiniemi either. I understand that they're young players, but they're, they were in a bit of a different situation. Metza more out of necessity. Jesperi Katkiniemi out of just the fact that he is a very wise beyond his years type player. where are 18 years old and, and he's doing things that you wouldn't expect of a guy who was 24, you know, he's just got that IQ that is just beyond his, his years. So, you know, that's the issue. And do I think that the Montreal Canadiens have a good enough farm uh, prospect pool and farm system that eventually those guys will break through? Yes, I do. But at some point you, you've got to stop signing all of these fringe guys. 
I, we, we have people yelling at their, their phones right now if they're listening, saying, but Matt has spent six games in the AHL. He did. Yes, he, he did. did. But, but that's, he, that's, not, that's not what you were talking that was, about. Yeah. That's not what you're talking about. Yeah, I, th- I think, well, it's, it's funny when, when uh, covering uh, um, uh, multiple teams, um, uh, getting around the league, and you hear from some prospects, uh, my ears always perk up when I hear what I really appreciate is that when I make a mistake, um, I'm back in the lineup and uh, I learn from that. Yeah. To, to be honest, I've never heard that from a Montreal Canadiens prospect. And so that's why it's, it's so foreign to these ears. That's why I, I perk up a lot. Yeah. And I think that's kind <laughs> of the, um, you know, what you'd like to hear uh, that, that, that uh, the Canadiens prospects, uh, that transition is, is, is so important. Um, and and um, it's it's so easy to undermine confidence by uh, punishing players for uh, mistakes that uh, prospects are going to make. Uh, they're just going to yep. make them. Absolutely. I mean, any young player beginning at the at the beginning of their career, they're they're going to make mistakes, and it's about understanding that if you give them more opportunities, eventually they're going to learn from it. If if you just don't put in that effort then you're going to lose them. So it, you're just going to lose their respect from that point on. They're going to think that any time that I do something wrong, I'm going to be sat up in that press box the next game, or I'm going to be sat on the bench for the rest of that game. So, you know, that's something that I think the Montreal Canadiens, there needs to be a, a change in their philosophy. Uh, I understand from what Carey Price is saying, from his standpoint, prospects until they show up and produce don't mean much to him. And, maybe that's a product of the environment that he's been in where a lot of these guys come up and they have all of this, all of, they hear all sorts of praise about them and, and that they're the next guy. They're somebody that can make a difference. And then after four or five games, he makes a mistake. That guy's back down in the AHL and you don't hear from him for the rest of the year. That, that could be a thing. I know that these different players a little bit younger, so it might not make a difference for Carey Price, but Regardless, uh, this is something that I think needs to be changed in this organization. Um, so, and I think that we're going to see that when we look at some of these uh, these uh, suggested forward lines for the Montreal Canadiens with our question of the week. We might see a couple of, uh, as you said, there was a Cole Caulfield in there, probably see a few Ryan Palings, maybe even a Nick Suzuki. So shall we move on and uh, take our last break and then get to uh, some of those? Can't wait. Yep. <laughs> so as I said, we're going to get to the question of the week. We do have, uh, as, as Rick mentioned off the top, we do have some texts, some emails. We're going to get to those, and uh, we'll be back after uh, our final break. Uh, stay with us. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained and connected learn more about rsm its team and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com i bet you enjoy sporting your best habs jerseys dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest habs gear and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fanning well don't just show your friends show your habs The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHab 
when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to showyourhabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit Rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. We're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast, getting ready to uh, get to the answers of the question of the week. But we also have some questions and some the, through email or text. Uh, Rick, what what have you got for uh, for for this week? Um, I, we've got some some um, uh, texts and emails and and things um i but i'm i'm dying to get to these lineups so um uh yeah. to answer our canadians question of the week and and uh that being um if the season started today what are your forward lines for the for the Habs? so i'll, I'll just uh let you know what uh facebook's saying um yeah. and um that's the the fan page the all habs fan page on facebook you can find it easily just type all habs into the search bar and it'll take you right there we have uh well over 40,000 uh folks that are are there and participate in our discussions uh Dylan Snow has um Domi moving to the wing uh with uh, Kakanyemi as your first line center uh Armia on the right side so a first line of uh, Domi, KK, and Armia, uh, Tatar, Dano, and Gallagher are on the second line. That uh, was uh, essentially the top line for most of, of last season. Lekkonen, Paling, and uh, Duran um, on the third line. Paling, um, manning the third line center spot. Uh, Byron, uh, Thompson, and Wheel on the fourth line. Um, Derek Ford has uh, Dano. Tatar and Gallagher, that familiar uh, first line remaining. Uh, he has Kotkaniemi uh, centering the second line between Domi and Byron. And Paling, uh, he also has Paling as centering the third line between uh, Duran and Wheel. Uh, with Blacken and Thompson Armia on the fourth line. Um, Francis Maynard says Gallagher denote Tatar. That, that doesn't seem to be uh, breaking up. Uh, Drew and Domi nope. and Byron. <laughs> On the second line, Lekkonen, Kotkaniemi, and Armia. The finish line on the third, Wheel, Thompson, and Cousins uh, without a paling. Um, mm. And uh, as as we remember um, last year, uh, 
Duran and Domi didn't necessarily, uh, they produced early, but, but not after that. And then defensively, they weren't great. And we saw Lekin and Domi and, and, uh, and Shaw actually were, were uh, the last um, month or so of the season. They were probably the Canadians' um, most effective line. Will we see Domi to move to the wing, as some have suggested? Uh, that's... Uh, if if Kakinyemi and and Palin can uh, lock down the center spots, that that might be something that that happens. Yeah. Although I would I would expect maybe uh, towards the the end of the season or into next year. But well, we'll see. Yeah. Well, Twitter. Just to read a couple, uh, there's there's some interesting lineups, uh, some forward groups, and people have even gotten the, the whole nine yards given defense, goaltending, scratches, all that stuff. I'll just read a couple <laughs> just so we can get to uh, some of these emails. But uh, we have Sam Gerber who says, Joanne Domi and Houdon on the first line wants to uh, get Houdon back to uh, playing with a good scoring line and, and reestablish some of his value. So uh, that's an interesting one. You have Lekkinen, Deneau, and Gallagher. You have Tatar, Kutkaniemi, Armia, and Byron, Cousins, and Wheel. Uh, he wants to play Tatar with KK to give him a scoring winger. And... Uh, one of the interesting ones, as you mentioned, we did have some that that uh, mentioned Cole Caulfield. We have uh, Meta's Chick, at Meta's Chick, uh, <laughs> Tatar, Kutkaniemi, Gallagher, Druan, Deneau, Domi, Lekkinen, Paling, Byron, Armia, Cousins, and Caulfield. So uh, that one's an interesting one. Um, and then we have, uh, beyond that, we have some other ones where I said people have gotten the whole nine yards. You have Fred LeBlanc saying Tatar, Deneau, Gallagher. That one, that one stays together for this one. <laughs> Druan, Paling, and Domi. That's an interesting line. Uh, Lekkinen, KK, Armia. The finish line back together. Wheel, Cousins, Byron. And then on the back end, Meta, Weber, Sherratt, Petrie, Kulak, Juleson. Just to show that there are people that have gotten the whole nine yards uh, with respect to this question. So uh, full lineups as well as forward groups that have been, uh, that have been suggested uh, in the question of the week. So, well, listen. Yes. There's there's tons of ways to contact us. Um, yeah. And we've we've talked about um, our our text line that's available, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Five eight five three rocket. Five eight five three rocket. Every text you send us, uh, even when sometimes we don't get them on on the air, uh, but we uh, do our best to respond to each and every one of them. So. Um, Continue sending them in. You can, if you prefer email, you can do that as well. Uh, info at allhabs.net, info at allhabs.net. And I've, I've got an email to read and uh, a couple of texts here. Um, the email first from our friend Dino. He is uh, uh, a, a, a regular listener, Le Petit Bill. Um, he says, uh, greetings, my friends. Hope things are well. A little note for you. Uh, thanks for keeping us informed all summer. Uh, Will the Lions of Winter be returning? We know who they are, our beloved CH. Once upon a time, the most feared team in hockey when I was just a child. Uh, They were having parades, processions in the spring. Can it be once more? We can only dream. Take good care. God bless bless you all. Have a safe summer. See you in September uh, from Le Petit Bill in Ottawa. Thank you for this. Um, uh, Always uh, love those emails. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, last week we asked our question of the week was um, 
are the Montreal Canadiens a better team than last season? And we got a text on our text line, 5853Rocket, from Gordon Mockler in New Brunswick. He says, uh, yes, definitely. Habs are better than last season. Habs are on the verge on the verge of a playoff team. People forget the Habs will have number six for a full season coming up. That gives them a few more points. Summer is not over yet. All right. Thanks, uh, Gordon, on that. Um, and on the text line, 5853 Rocket, we also have a question. This question is from, and I should say, uh, thank you for, remember a couple of weeks ago when we both sounded like death? We sounded awful. Yeah. We sound like, <laughs> thank you for all the, uh, the texts uh, of concern and um, good wishes and get well. And thank you for all those. And even, even the, the odd um, um, home remedy, let's say, for our, yeah. uh, for our so, <laughs> sore throat. But I think Newfoundland does home remedies really good, don't they, Joe? Uh, they do, but I don't know if I beat any condition to host a podcast after one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this, uh, this one's from Curtis in Syracuse, and he says, I like watching the NBA Summer League. Should the NHL start something similar? Um, and I'm going to turn this question over to our resident NBA expert who can explain <laughs> what uh, Summer League's all about and if the NHL should uh, follow suit. Very kind words. Uh, well, the Summer League more or less is the first opportunity if your team has drafted high or you've got a prospect you're excited about usually it's the first opportunity to see them in game action usually more often than not most of the guys on the court are are fringe guys i mean i guess if you were to compare it to the nhl those would be ahl guys who might be on their last opportunity to make an nba or excuse me an nhl roster and uh so for the nba it's been incredibly useful for uh, for teams, especially. I mean, you look at the Toronto Raptors. Fred VanVleet spent time, and you know, he he played for the, on the summer league team. And and for those that don't know, summer league about a week long tournament it takes place in Las Vegas. So it's only about four games, but it gets guys up to speed with what's going on with the with the NBA team. And so by the time they show up for training camp, they kind of already have a de- an idea of, of what to expect. So you've got Fred VanVleet, Norman Powell, Pascal Siakam. Those are all guys that spent a little bit of time playing in Summer League and then uh, with with the uh, Toronto Raptors uh, G League team as well. So the Summer League, it can be used effectively, and it can be used to even find players that, you know, the Raptors just signed a guy named uh, Terrence Davis Jr., who played well in a game for the Denver Nuggets and then was immediately then signed by the Raptors. So it's used as a way to to find guys to fill out your roster, and and sometimes they turn out to be good players. Uh, Fred VanVleet was undrafted; he turned out to be a really good player, you know. So it, it's been used effectively. More often than not, it's it's really just an exhibition for the newest NBA talent, all the rookies that are coming up. Beyond, you know, the teams like Toronto, teams like San Antonio that have a history of finding good players and developing them, uh, you know, finding players that no one else really knows about, then it's worked for them in that way. But not every team has a front office like that. So, you know, it's summer league adopting some sort of a summer league would be an interesting idea for the NHL. Um, I'm not sure that it would be, you know, groundbreaking in any way. It's it's kind of 
summer league is summer league. It's cool. It's on television. You can go home. You can watch an NBA game kind of after the season is over. I used to look forward to it when the Raptors were really bad. Uh, so, you know, it's something to watch. And uh, if, if the NHL was looking to have something to watch in June and July, then, eh, hey, uh, well, I guess they had the summer, uh, the uh, Stanley Cup in early June. But regardless, if you're looking for something to watch in the summer, then it might be an idea. <laughs> Well, uh, it probably would be kind of like the uh, the rookie tournaments uh, yeah. that that come up at the uh, beginning of September. the The Canadians will be participating in um, in Belleville um, this year with the Ottawa um, Senators, and the Winnipeg Jets are joining that one for the first time. There's the big one in Traverse City that the Red Wings host. Um, those kind of rookie tournaments as a showcase and as a, a you know a, a uh, prep to um, opening up the, the development camps uh, for yeah. all the NHL uh, um, teams. But that answers <laughs> our question. <laughs> uh, if, if you have questions, um, uh, tweet us or, or we're, uh, we're happy to, to hear from you and do our best to answer each and every question. And uh, you can text us again at 585 through rocket. Yeah, and we love to uh, connect with our listeners, Canadians Connection Podcast. It's in our name. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we'll be back with you uh, next week. This has been a, a nice jam-packed show. Not sure that I expected it in, uh, in late July, but there was a lot to talk about. Seems like there's a lot to talk about every week. Something is always coming up. And uh, this week, with Keith Kincaid arriving and Andre Markov, that being thrown out there, and, of course, Charles Houdon's contract, had quite a bit to unfold, uh, unpack. So uh, it was a interesting episode, and we'll be back uh, next week. Uh, it'll be July 27th at 1 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 Newfoundland time, and uh, we'll be discussing all things uh, Montreal Canadiens. Anything you'd like to say before we sign off, Rick? Well, be sure to uh, – we really appreciate you uh, finding us. We really you, appreciate you subscribing and uh, remember, just just find your your favorite pod uh, podcast app. Uh, search for Rocket Sports Radio. You'll get four podcasts, four for one, four for one subscription. Canadians Connection. Yep. This podcast from the press box, the AHL prod, podcast. Have a listen and Habs Unfiltered. And uh, we're we're happy to have uh, see that subscriber list going up. And and uh, uh, and for those uh, uh, new subscribers to uh, send in their their questions and comments. Um, really happy you're joining us uh, in the off season. Absolutely. As, as you said, you can find us on demand on all your favorite podcast platforms, Overcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play, all of those. Just search for uh, Rocket Sports Radio and hit that subscribe button. So yeah, we'll be back with you next week. And uh, until then, thank you for tuning in to the Canadian Connection Podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs Connection and visit allhabs.net.